I mean, are, are we in agreement that if Harbaugh leaves, I mean, I think the, the best football we've seen out of Michigan is in the past. If he does end up leaving for the NFL, who are you going to get to replace him? That's going to be better. Yeah, I got a sliver of hope he stays, but it's I'm with you guys. I think it's looking more and more like it's the NFL. It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 202 of the Three Point Podcast. Our team includes Grow Real Estate and Auction, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Home, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, the ALS Association of Michigan, and Z92.5 The Castle. Well, I don't know about you guys. I spent basically this whole last week on my couch, in the office, or sleeping. That was about it. And when I was on the couch, I was watching TV and uh, watching sports more particularly. And it was a great week for sports, but I don't know. Something's just been hanging over my head for the last three or so weeks, and that is the Harbaugh decision. Mm. (laughs) And we talked about it, you know, a month ago, and I told you guys that my gut feeling was he was leaving, and I'd never felt that way before. And it's just looking that way. I mean, he's interviewing with the Vikings today, or uh, yesterday, excuse me. Sounds like it went great. This is the NFL. I mean, the NFL will hire just about any idiot off the street. So if you don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to get a job uh, within the next week, you're crazy. And the sad thing is he's going to take it when he gets it. And it's just crazy to me because I don't know where the Michigan program goes from here. I mean, I'll be the first to, I'll be the first to say it. If Gaddis is hired, uh, I, I might be jumping ship to the Mel Tucker ship. Oh, and no. for Michigan State. I can't – I mean, are you guys are you guys in agreement with that? I mean, who would we even go with? Uh, the only other names I'm hearing is Bill O'Brien. No. Uh, yeah, I'm no. hearing the Gaddis interim for a year or Gaddis as just a flat-out the next hire. Uh, all the good coaching coaches are basically snatched up already. Uh, yeah. It's just we are screwed. And, and the thing that bothers me is I don't blame Harbaugh for leaving, especially when we know it. A lot of Michigan fans didn't really take uh, took him for granted while he was here, similar to Stafford. So I'm not mad at him, but I guess the only problem that uh, I have with it is how this whole offseason, ever since we lost to Georgia or even leading up in the Big Ten championship game after that, 
is he's been saying how this is the start of something. You know, we're just getting started here. J.J. McCarthy, all these freshmen, we're so young, we're having fun, we're just getting started here. Next thing you know, Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator, is gone. And now it's looking like the leader of the ship is going to be gone. I, I just yeah. – I feel like I was a little bit misled. And I can't blame Harbaugh because, you know, I would be leaving college athletics if I was him as well. I mean, the NFL is definitely the way to go. But I don't know. just still isn't sitting right with me. <clears throat> Considering basically, I mean, are we in agreement that if Harbaugh leaves, I mean, I think the, the best football we've seen out of Michigan is in the past. If he's gone, who would we get that's a, a upgrade from Harbaugh? Yeah, I think that's that's the question right there that I've always said every year that previously when, when a lot of the fan base wanted Harbaugh gone because he wasn't beating Ohio State or whatever and they wanted him fired, that was always my response. Who are you going to get that is flat out better than Harbaugh? And now, you know, he's beat Ohio State, won a Big Ten, got to the playoff, and so that question still remains. If, if he does end up leaving for the NFL, who are you going to get to replace him? That's going to be better. The Gaddis thing, no, it's not exciting. The only reason I would be a little bit on board, one, because we're starting to get late into the offseason, I guess. So give Gaddis the job. He, he knows the program. He's you know getting established with the offense. He knows J.J. McCarthy and some of those other players. See what can happen, you know, because the rest of the staff would still be pretty strong. Obviously, Harbaugh was like the centerpiece, but you know, the rest of the staff is still pretty strong. Maybe Gaddis could you know, maybe he'd be that up and comer, you know, like light a fire under the program type of thing, or it might be a complete train wreck, you know, who knows? But so, so yeah, that part, you know, I, I wouldn't be all that excited. I'm still, I, the, this whole time we've talked about it, the, this whole time I've been more leaning. I, I think he's just like tipping, like dunking his toes in the water type of thing with the NFL, like just seeing what's out there. The, the longer this goes, and especially now that he's actually taking interviews and the interest seems like real, I, I'm kind of with you. I'm starting to lean towards that. I think he's gone. I think personally, to, to me, you know, obviously I'm not him. I don't know. I'm not in his family. I don't know exactly what's going on. I think the college game has to be so draining, kind of what you said. The NFL is really the, the, the way to go because you actually get a legitimate offseason. College football is around the clock. I mean, the second after Georgia whooped them on, he he's on the recruiting trail. You know, he's having right. to go to Florida. He's going to New York. He's going to Maryland. He's doing all this stuff. The minute that they got beat by Georgia and there's just no off season, it's round the clock. You have to be on your game. You're begging these 17, 18 year old kids to come play for your program. Sure. I like, I feel like if it was straight up coaching, he would, he said he would coach at Michigan for free. I think he means that it's probably just all the other BS, not to mention too, that it's kind of like an unequal playing field, you know, even with the NIL, NIL stuff coming around, you know other schools are playing by different rules, basically, with admissions and some of their recruiting. Michigan just had arguably one of their best teams ever, a Heisman finalist on defense, you know, a, a pretty good offense, and they got their doors blown off in the playoff by a school that's probably playing by some different rules. Stuff like that, I think, probably drains on Harbaugh. And he's like, dude, I just worked my butt off for this team, and I can't even compete with Georgia or Alabama. What am I supposed to do? I think stuff like that's probably starting to, to, you know, wear on him a little bit. So, yeah, I wouldn't blame him if he went back to the NFL. Yeah, I got a sliver of hope he stays, but it's, I'm with you guys. I think it's looking more and more like it's the NFL. Uh, and since it apparently has been uh, confirmed, right, he did interview with Minnesota. That's not rumor. That's confirmed, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, and it's supposedly it went well, but at this point, do you think – now that he has made it known that he's listening to offers in the NFL, that maybe Miami comes back to the front again. 
I mean, where would you rather go, Miami or Minnesota? That's the one thing I wonder if the the whole Minnesota thing was kind of like a a play to get Miami to make an offer. That that is what I wonder because I mean we we've probably all seen the things Miami's cap space issue. They're like their contract situation is a mess. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, like you know, you really think he's going to be the guy at quarterback? So the whole Minnesota thing is a little bit of a head scratcher. Go to Miami, live in Miami. Right. You got a young quarterback. You know, you got an up and coming team a little bit. The, the owner of the team is a Michigan grad, you know, Stephen Ross. So there's that connection. You know, I, I do wonder about that whole thing. If the the Minnesota interview was just kind of like a play, mm-hmm. but, you know, who knows? And I will also, <laughs> let me jump in here real quick, Jared, because I got a thought also. Uh, you brought up Gaddis, and I'm not a hater so much as, you know, apparently you're going to go over to Michigan State now that bad. But uh, Ooh, <laughs> I know that was yeah, out I mean, there. Dude, I don't know. Dude, well, it's like even this year where Gaddis is like coordinator of the year, I were you guys like blown away with him? I mean, especially in the Georgia game, just they, we were doing nothing on offense. It was zero creativity. I just, something about him ever since he stepped foot in Michigan, at Michigan, uh, and he was supposed to be this like uh, spread offense wizard. And the one successful season we had was when Harbaugh went back to his roots. It's like how, like this guy's going to take over the program, be the head coach. And like you listen to interviews with him. It's not like this is Marcus Freeman of Notre Dame, you know, just command a room type guy. It's like, he's a, he's, Perfect right where he's at, which is a coordinator position. He does not need to be the head coach of Michigan. Yeah. You know, if we want to go get Luke Fickle or something like that, I, that's a great hire. But I just – what happened to Harbaugh, this being a, like, uh, lifetime job? What, why did, what changed? Can we explain that? What changed between the time he said that, what, three or four years ago to now? Is it just because now the NFL is calling him back? Is that the only reason? Is it because of the NIL, like Matt was laying out? I, I don't know. It just – Oh, I think it was. We the, have no. We have. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say. I think it was the the lack of confidence and making him take a pay cut. Personally, I think it was the yeah. ego getting hammered. Even though <laughs> Ward Manuel, you know, kept him on, uh, he didn't. Right. He did not go to the the president or the board of regents and said. Not only do I want to keep him on, he needs to be paid like the other Big Ten coaches. No, he went along with the pay cut to keep him on the team. And I think Harbaugh maybe appreciates what Manuel did, but in the back of his mind, he said, what the hell do I need this for? I can go to the NFL <laughs> right. and make, you know, $10 million a year. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I, I wonder if that's part of it. I, I saw a report today that I think it was from John U. Bacon, who's, you know, mm-hmm. as plugged in as, as anyone with the program, and he said something like that. That Harbaugh's demands aren't to be the highest paid coach in the, the Big Ten. He doesn't necessarily want a Mel Tucker, a James Franklin deal. He just basically wants to be paid his worth, you know, <laughs> like like the, like you're explaining, Ted, the whole pay cut thing. It, you know, maybe last year was warranted because after 2020 and things that were going on with the program, maybe it made sense. But, you know, after last year, he clear, clearly proved himself. So he, he's probably looking at, you know, the Michigan program and saying, listen, do you want me to coach your program for the next 10, 15 years, or do you want to go through Rich Rod, Brady Hoke again? You want to start doing that, you know? So Yeah, and did they step I, I up? Did they step up and make an offer immediately right. after the season was over, too, you know? They let it drag yeah. on and let all this speculation happen. It just has not been, been a good situation. Now, I'm going to throw this out there, guys. You may laugh at me. I'm dead serious about this because, Jared, you brought up the fact that who's available out there other than people on the coaching staff. But I'm going to flat out tell you. I can't you, wait. You know, can't you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Tony Anise. <laughs> Bill Belichick. Tony oh, Anise. Okay, right. Tony okay. Anise, national championship head coach. You look at his resume, wherever he has been, he has won. He knows how to get along with the players. He knows how to run a program. I know it's an out-there thought, 
but I am truly sincere when I say, why wouldn't he be considered? Hell, he was considered for Central Michigan. He's he's never even had an interview. I mean, I'm in agreement. I don't understand why it is either, but... I mean, are you just you're just throwing that out there just to basically put your two cents in? I mean, well, yeah, it's not well, we all know that it's I not mean, probably going to happen, right. but I, I, I don't know why it wouldn't. You know? <laughs> no, I agree. I, it's it is idiotic. I don't understand. The one, the one thing I would wonder, I, I, we we all know as much as we love Tony and Ethan, and not not just the whole Corona connection. Legitimately, he is one of the best college coaches in the country. Not just exactly, you know, because we're not just because we're fans of him. He is legitimately an incredible coach. That said, I just wonder, you know, the age thing and then like just the completely different game that he would be playing, coaching major Big Ten Michigan football, having to recruit legitimately the whole country and against Georgia, against Florida, against Ohio State and stuff like that. I wonder, one, if he would even want to do that. But then, you know, two, you know, if, if Michigan would make that move, I I wouldn't be against making a call and see, see how it goes because – Right. Does Josh Gaddis move the needle? Does Bill O'Brien move the needle? I don't know. Not for me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, at that point, if Harbaugh leaves at any point, I would say call anyone. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you call. You know what I mean? If Tony Anise is on that list, go for it. I honestly think – I wonder, too, if Michigan, you know, the, the university, whether it's the president, um, athletic director, you know, whoever, we all know Michigan's arrogant. They, they think they're basically like in the Ivy League in the Big Ten, you know, or whatever. And I wonder if they don't want to pay Harbaugh. I wonder if they don't want, you know, if, if Harbaugh's maybe making a few demands on what he wants to happen with the program. I wonder if they're basically like, no, we're, we're above, you know, Ohio State. We don't do things like LSU does. We don't do things like Georgia does. We're Michigan. You know, I wonder if they're doing stuff like that. And, and Harbaugh's seen, man, if I want to compete year in, year out, not every seven years, not every six years, you know, you're actually like kind of competing. Every year, if I want to be a top five team, we, we got to change some of our admissions rules. We got to do some stuff because I can't compete with Georgia, with Texas A&M and some of these other schools, you know. Can we just not have like nice things? I mean, as soon as we have a, a <laughs> right. team to like root for, as soon as we have a team to root for, it just gets ripped right under our nose. I'm, All right. I'm sick of it, man. Well, so my question, my question to you would be, um, say, say Harbaugh does stick around. He ends up sticking around. Well, two questions. So first question. Say the whole NFL thing doesn't work out, and he it kind of feels like he settles for Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that leave a bad taste in your guys' mouth, or are you like whatever? I Harbaugh's back. I don't care. Does it feel like sloppy seconds? <laughs> Here's what sucks is I guess I, I would welcome him back with open arms, but now Pandora's box is open. Now it's not a matter of if he's leaving, it's when he's leaving. I mean, he's gonna get an NFL job that he's gonna want to go to soon. Uh, if it's not this off season, it's gonna be next off season. So. I guess it, it just – we'll see, like, how it's interpreted, but I just could see a whole media circus where that's just getting held over his head in all these, pros, uh, in all these press conferences after games and uh, at media day. That's all they're asking him about is his future with the program and it dampers recruiting. I mean, I'm, I would be – I'd love to have him back, and I'm rooting, you know, that he's <laughs> – I'm sleeping with a uh, – what is it, like pennies on your dresser for a snow day? I'm sleeping <laughs> with pennies on my dresser that he comes back, but I, it's still – it's just – you you know that that's going to be the narrative from here on out. Yeah, yeah, especially since he he actually went to 
do a job interview in the NFL. That right. that kind of kind of swayed it a little bit. Would I feel a little tainted if he came back? Probably, but I'd still take him back with open arms. You know, with right. with what's out there right now for sure. But uh, it's going to be interesting. I think maybe by the time we record our next podcast, we're probably going to have an answer, aren't we? God, I would sure hope so because I'm I'm sick of all the back and forth, people with inside sources and people hearing this, people talking to this guy who knows a guy at Dunkin' Donuts who saw something and, you know, they got these sources. My second question, though, real quick before we move on, would you guys be fine, I think, the the majority of the fan base, because we've seen what happened with Jim Harbaugh and some other coaches, they get pissed about nine, ten win seasons. Would you be fine if Michigan just kind of accepted the fact that they could be Iowa and win – seven to ten games every season and yeah every six or seven years things come together like they did this year and you win a big ten and compete for a national title like do you think could you guys accept that 100 percent. i mean yeah. we that's the first time i've had any really legit uh lick of success my whole life so that's like been my whole life as a michigan fan has been worse than uh what you just laid out so 100 percent, i'm taking that especially uh the, the big key is that hey we get to win a big 10 every six years that's enough for me I mean, I don't yeah. think we're ever going to be way better than Ohio State. I mean, we saw it even in our best year. Still kind of took like a perfect game to really beat, to really beat them. Uh, and they did not play their best game by a long shot. And they were kind of ravaged by COVID. Uh, so, no, give me one out of every six years. Um, I'm wearing Michigan everywhere I go if that happens. Yeah, I probably would go along with that as well. Other than I got to throw the little caveat in there that – you got to beat Michigan State every other year right. at the least. And right. you got to beat Ohio State once in a while, too. You know, you can't go eight, nine years, you know, periods of time without beating them. I, you know, I'd like to see it back to the days where you beat them every other year, but okay. As good as Ohio State has been, I'd take every third year at this point and at least splitting with Michigan State. You agree with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, just, it's interesting just to see the difference in fan bases like Iowa. They're happy with Kirk Parents. No, no complaints with Kirk Parents. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, they're completely content with where their program is. And you almost wonder if that's part of why Jim Harbaugh's leaving too. You know, if, seeing the fan base just complain and complain and just you know every loss, it's like the world is ending and stuff like that. So. I don't know. It's it's definitely a mess. I agree with you. Uh, let me jump in real quick before we move on to the next segment. Uh, you guys will appreciate this, I think, a little bit because you both were high school athletes and, uh, you know, you enjoyed coverage in the local newspaper, right? When they wrote up a story, you got your name in the paper. I got a real pet peeve that's been happening more and more lately, and it's coaches not reporting to local media, specifically the Argus Press and MLive, and especially after they lose, they don't they don't report any scoring uh, box score for the paper to publish. No comments on the game, and it's funny, you know. When I've been in local radio as a sports director and play-by-play guy since 1985, I, you know, I I really kind of rely on that stuff, especially if there's a game coming up. I go right to the paper, see what happened the last game, and when these coaches don't report. I mean, I think the athletic directors need to come down on them and come down on them hard and say, you know what, that's part of your job. Win or lose, you have to let the local paper know what the story was on the game. What do you guys think? I, I agree, especially nowadays with, I mean, you're, you're saying the newspaper, and, you know, some people might say that's a, that's a little bit of a dated news source, but as you laid out, I mean, a lot of people still reference the newspaper. But the point I'm trying to make is as easy as, as it is now, 
to just fire off a text. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got the box, you've got the box score. Absolutely. Just shoot a text to whoever, shoot an email. If you have to send an email to whoever you have to, it's not like you have to get home, you know, go to your phone at your house, call the AD or, you know, it's not that big of a process. Okay. You got your butts kicked. Who cares? Send them the score, send them the a little box score, done. Well, get you, over it. You both. Yeah, that, that's weird. I, I hadn't heard of that. Yeah. You both know from, from carrying a camera around when you go to these games, you'll take your phone, take a picture of the scorebook, right? Yeah. It cracks me up because these same coaches, I'm not saying every single coach, but they're the same ones that are probably bitching about, you know, NFL players who don't want to speak to the media or who are dicks to the media. It, it's like a three-minute phone call with yeah. the local newspaper where they're not asking you hard-hitting questions whatsoever. It's not live. Right. I mean, they're basically just asking you, hey, what are a couple of the highlights, even if you lost, what are a couple of the highlights from your team tonight? I mean, is it so hard to just do that on the bus ride home? Apparently it is. Like, and I, I'm all for, like, obviously, like, when you're in the moment and you're on these teams and you're the coach or you're the player or whatever, it feels like it's, like, the biggest thing in the world. But it really isn't. Uh, believe me, the, the the win or the loss to Morris or Durand or whoever, it, it you're, you're still going to wake up tomorrow. St- sun's still going to shine. So you can call in for two minutes to the – Argus Press and give your kids some love. I agree with you 100%. If anything, too, uh, the way you set this up, Ted, Mm -hmm. it was cool as hell to see your name in the paper. I mean, I know it's different. I know it's different now, you know, with Twitter, social media, and, you know, you get to see your highlights all over the place now and stuff like that. So it is very different now. But it was cool to see. I mean, I I made the the front page of the Argus a few times, and it was really cool. I've got them, like, on plaques. I've got, like, the pictures framed, you know. It's it was it was definitely very cool. Again, very different now. Even Jared's day, I know, you know, social media was around when you were playing and stuff like that. But, you know, so so for the coaches to take that away from players too, is almost a little selfish. It is selfish. You know, maybe maybe right. Maybe players might say like, ah, you know, whatever. But you know, if they're even if it is like their grandma or their uncle or their parents or something are getting the paper and saw them on the front page, you know, scoring a basket, scoring a touchdown or something like that, that's pretty cool. So. Yeah, for the parent, for the coach to take that away, yeah, it's a little selfish. Yeah, and even to take it a little further, you know, the Argus Press has their own Twitter page on, you know, Twitter sports page. I mean, if these coaches would just want to post something on the, the, the basketball Twitter page, at least the, the newspaper can have it and can have it ready for the newspaper, the people, us old geezers that still pick up the paper. But I, I will tell you, man, it was, it was nonstop, even in the days when I used to host my own radio show after games, the sports forum, and – you could always tell when this one coach, when they lost, because we couldn't find him, he wouldn't call in. It was huh. 100%. When they lost, he didn't want to talk about it, which that's bullshit too, you know? Right. Come on. Yeah, they- yeah, this is all publicity for your program and stuff. I mean, whether you win or lose. So, yeah. yeah, and I I got one other pet peeve. I I really got oh. probably, <laughs> I probably got two or three other ones, but you guys explain this to me. It's been a trend that just drives me crazy. Uh, in football, why do they put out rosters that don't have height, the you know the weights and the heights of the kids? And the same thing in basketball. Why do they just have the kid's name? and the year they are, and not have their height. I mean, <laughs> what is the deal? What is so, isn't that part of a coach's job, at least? Are, what, are they, what are they trying to accomplish by not putting that in there? Are they trying to say, oh, you're going to know how tall we are? I don't want you to do that. I mean, I don't understand. I, it must be like them being worried about, one, it's either laziness, and they, they don't even think about it, uh-huh. or two, 
there's nobody, there's no, there's no high school coach that is like Jim Harbaugh and is thinking that they don't want to hand out their heights and weights. I don't think that that's a problem. I think it's more one, it's either laziness two, they don't even know that they're supposed to do that. Like <laughs> yeah. whether it's from the athletic director or whoever. Uh-huh. Um, so it's like, those are the, two, I, I think it's honestly just one of those two reasons. I, okay. I don't really think it's them trying to be like smarter in terms of gamesmanship. I 100% just think it's, they don't know. Number three, the final reason. And I think this is actually probably the uh, support one. I think that a lot of coaches or athletic directors are worried about, you know, let's say that there's an offensive lineman who's 300 pounds. Right. Uh, like, that they're worried about this kid getting bullied or some parent complaining that the weight is on there, even if it's factual. And I 100% think that that's probably another reason why. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, that, that might be part of it, you know, um, whether, yeah. I mean, Ted, your reaction. I mean, it, it is. I mean, you're playing a sport. People can see how tall you are. People can see how skinny or fat you are, I guess. I don't – Right. You, that, that's part of a roster, you know. It's part of um, putting out a game program for, for whether it's the broadcast, for coaches, for scouting, you know, whatever. I almost lean toward more towards the lazy part. Yeah. Coaches just aren't doing it because they don't want to, and I think that's more of it. The thing that makes me laugh about it, it's funny you brought this up. Just like two or three days ago, me and some of my buddies, um, some more Corona grads, we were laughing about one of us – one of the guys like found some old senior pictures from when we were in high school and like sent it to our group chat. And it was just hilarious to see like Jared. I mean, we all can definitely remember how like skinny and young you oh, look yeah. when you're in high school. Yeah. And we were laughing. Yeah. We were laughing our asses off. Cause we were like, there's no way. And a couple of the guys played wide receiver for Corona in some other positions. We we're like, there's no way we weighed more than 160, <laughs> 165. And, but in the roster, in the roster, we were 175, 62, 175. And, yeah. uh, you know, we were just laughing about that. I was like, there's no way I weighed 175, but that's what the roster said. So, no, no, you know, th- yeah. there's, there's that side to it, too. My roster reading was always like, uh, I'm like, I'm like 5'7". My roster reading was always 5'9", uh, 975 pounds. I think I weighed like 158 pounds in high school. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at least it's there. And, again, I'm bringing it up because you guys are both in big-time media, you know, with ESPN, the college, national, Jared with college and national at Valley. Yeah, I'm only high school, but I can't even imagine if you're putting a game on and you don't have the heights and weights listed of the players. I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? I mean, it's yeah, just part no, of the facts. It is. It is. Yep, it yeah. is. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's me off my soapbox. Uh, glad to get that one out there because, you know, I was actually going to tweet it yesterday, and I said, wait a minute. We got our own platform. I'll just bring it up and get it off my chest and move on. This is like a whole other angle, Ted, of Tedertainment Tonight. This is like what, what's the Peter Griffin thing, like what, what grinds his gears? This is like, this is like Tedertainment Tonight 2.0. <laughs> yeah. What pisses Ted off, right? <laughs> you need to start like a niche uh your own like spin-off podcast that's just for local high school uh sports announcers uh your own complaints your your best calls all that stuff uh, don't tempt me i can tell you i will <laughs> I, I will say this to uh brendan savage who writes for m live he's on the same soapbox man i mean it's these coaches out there, I just don't get it. I mean, it, it gives your kids publicity. It keeps them involved in the program when they get some of that love. Come on, spend a little extra time and help them out. All right, we're going to talk a little NFL. Wow, another tremendous couple of games. We'll get right into that right after this. 
looking to buy items online, go to CRAuctions.com. All you need to do is download the app to your phone or computer and start buying and selling today. CRAuctions.com will market your items all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy something, we can help with that too. Just go to CRAuctions.com. Search our inventory and place your bid. Plus, there are online auctions for farm machinery, firearms, automobiles, and truckloads of overstocked items. It's fast, it's easy, and you will get results. Get the app and check out CRAuctions.com today. So I don't know about you guys, but I think it's pretty clear to see there is zero coincidence with Matthew Stafford, first season outside of Detroit, <laughs> three playoff wins, and he's starting in the Super Bowl. I mean, we've, we've been saying it all along. We said it on the podcast last week, weeks before, that he was never the issue in Detroit. Did, was he the answer? Yeah, he had some chances. I'm not, I'm not taking all the blame off of Stafford, but it's just crazy to see first season outside of Detroit starting in the Super Bowl. I love it. It was awesome to see. He, he played a great game, a couple bad throws, a couple iffy throws maybe, but that's just classic Stafford. We knew it was going to happen, and he went out there and won the game, though. Him and Cooper Cup, I could watch mm. them play all day. I mean, I'm, I'm, we I, talked about it. I'm buying a damn Cooper Cup jersey. I, I swear. <laughs> Man, I, yeah, that's a perfect jersey. I tell you what, I might have to buy that for you for Christmas next year. <laughs> yeah. um, listen, I'm going to say something. Uh, you guys are going to call me Debbie Downer. Um, let me know if I'm a little off base with this. Oh, God. We're gonna, oh, here we go. Here a we little go. bit over. Do you think the Detroit Lions fans are a little overboard with this whole, like, Stafford? Like, I'm going, I'm walking around the Red Wings game tonight, and I saw, like, 10 Stafford Rams jerseys. <laughs> like, I think maybe it's just because we've never had, like, an actual winning team that we're just trying to grab onto anything we can. But, I mean, I was 100% for it, but now that it's, like, kind of reached the fever pitch of the Super Bowl and all this and that, it's like, that's all my Twitter timeline is nowadays is Stafford love. And I get it. We love him. But let me throw this out there. Do you think that, let's say Stafford wins this Super Bowl. He has, you know, a decent career with the Rams, second half of his career. He, a Hall of Fame career. Is he going in as a Ram or is he going in as a Lion? And I think we all can admit that. If he wins the Super Bowl with the Rams, I mean, he's probably going in as a Los Angeles Ram. Wow. I had never thought of that. But, uh, I mean, there is that possibility, of course. I mean, they got to get by this the Super Bowl coming up in a couple weeks. But, yeah, I get what you're saying about the oversaturation of the Stafford thing. But just keep in mind, we're recording this on Monday night. I mean, it's it's one day, right? I mean, right. and we were, we were on board on this story from day one. I mean, even my wife... Uh, we adopted the Los Angeles Rams as our team this season. We knew the Lions weren't going anywhere. The Rams were our team to root for the Super Bowl, and here they are. So we're sticking with it. And and it does just go to show you put Mass Stafford on a team that actually has talent and actually has coaching, even though McVay, hmm, some questionable calls yesterday, but, yeah. but still yeah. a good coaching staff, great players on that team. Matt Stafford can win games, and we knew that all along. Yeah, yeah, he he he's proved it. I don't I don't any if there's any doubters out there still saying like, "Hey, I don't know. I don't know if Stafford's the guy. I don't know if he can do it." You're just a complete hater. I I do agree. Well, I am a big Stafford fan, obviously. <laughs> you know, some some of the as far as some people are going, it is maybe a little extreme because it is kind of like, you know, he he is playing for another team, so it is funny you say <laughs> at the at the Red Wings game there's a bunch of Rams Stafford jerseys walking around. It's kind of funny. That said, this is as close as the Lions have been to the Super Bowl, basically. You know, they're they're what we thought was their franchise quarterback making it to the Super Bowl. I saw, I think it was either ESPN or SportsCenter tweeted out something. It was a picture of Stafford and Eminem, who's, you know, Eminem's playing yeah. part of the halftime show at the Super Bowl, and, you know, from Detroit. And people were like, 
Stafford starting, Eminem playing halftime show. This is the closest Detroit's ever going to get to being in the Super Bowl. But, oh, you know, it, it it is cool to see Stafford in there. It You know, I, I get people who don't understand what Lions fans have gone through. I can see how they're like, how the hell are people cheering for Stafford so much as Lions fans? But, you know, hope, hopefully hopefully this isn't as close as we get to the Super Bowl. But, Ted, how old are you? And we haven't made the Super Bowl in your lifetime. So. Yeah, uh, 65 and hashtag since 57, but still. <laughs> <laughs> you love that, man. <laughs> uh, it still was great to see that, see him win, though. And, and you brought it up, Matt. I mean, Cooper Cup. I mean, he's just absolutely fun and electric to watch. It's just incredible. How many years has he been in the league now? Is it three or four? Do you know off the top of your head? I want to say 2017 was probably his first year. I bet he's probably been in four years, okay. four or five years. Guy's just phenomenal. And, I mean, he uh, he clicked immediately with Stafford. I mean, you could tell they worked together early on in the preseason, and uh, it's just a great combination. And, you know, when you put OBJ in there, too, he had another great game himself. I mean, that's that's definitely a fun team to watch, whether they win it or not. I mean, it's a fun team to watch, and <laughs> the team they're taking on is a fun team to watch as well. Yeah, I just looked it up quick. This is his fifth season, okay. so you know he he can he bursted on maybe two or three years. Definitely this year was his big time breakout season. But yeah, they're they're just fun to watch, and it, it's cool to see Stafford finally get his due. Like we kind of said, you know, we we stuck up for Stafford his whole career in Detroit. We weren't part of that that media clan that no. you know was bashing him and said that he wasn't the answer and he was the reason they were losing. You know, we weren't on that side. But so it's just cool to see him. You know get his due like i said it's cool to see right. him get his like um vindication basically on the other side man that afc game i don't know if we're if we're you guys have anything else to say about the nfc game but that afc game holy hell was that crazy because it, it was like the complete tale of two halves patrick mahomes looked like he he was going to be the greatest quarterback ever in the first half and then the second half he looked like he forgot what the hell he was doing out there and joe burrow showed that he might be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. That was that was just an awesome game, too. You talk about the ultimate, just like, face of your franchise, Joe Burrow. He's cool, charismatic, girls love him, <laughs> guys love him, guys want to be him. He's just like, if you think about, man, you pick one guy in the entire NFL to come and, like, start a franchise with, I mean, how is it not Burrow? He's just, like, the total package. I, it, still, it still blows my mind, the fact that he just doesn't have an offensive line. And it just doesn't matter. He reminds me so much of like, and this is a this is a, this is a stretch. I understand that he's obviously not Tom Brady, but he reminds me a lot of Tom Brady in the sense that he just never dies. It's like even when they're down by two scores, three scores, you know, it just still seems like they've got a shot at it, and the team just never stops believing in him, no matter how bleak it gets. Uh, and it's just it's just like it's still such a surreal story. How did this team do, like this would just be like the Lions? Yeah, winning the Super Bowl next year. I just, I, I don't think it's being talked about enough how crazy that really is that they're they're in this spot. But it's all because of that guy. And Ted is, is does he remind you a lot? I've been hearing this comparison a lot of, and not necessarily a comparison, but people are saying that he's a lot like an old time quarterback. You yeah. know, like a Namath or a Montana. You said that before. Yeah. Just in terms of his charisma and everything that goes along with what he does on the field. Do you see that? Does it kind of remind you of when you were a kid? Oh, with, without a doubt. He definitely has that swagger, very similar. And and your comparison to Brady is not far off. I mean, yeah. Does he have a heck of a lot long ways to go to really be in the Brady conversation? Sure, he does. But when you watch him play, 
he does kind of have that Brady feel to it that he's not getting shaken up. You know, he does, nothing shakes him. And you mentioned their offensive line has not been good, and you know they're going to solidify that in the next couple of years. But he just yep. is, he's just solid in the pocket, doesn't panic, and he just seems to exude that confidence that he's going to get it done. And in that game yesterday, perfect example of it. You know, and if you go back to the game, just how devastating did it end up being that? Kansas City totally screwed things up at the end of the first half and never recovered from it, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I ended up looking it up uh, after the game ended because I was curious, including that drive. I, I'm pretty sure it was eight drives, including that drive that the Chiefs had uh, at the end of the first half, and they just completely fell apart. So obviously it was that drive. They punted three or four times. Mahomes threw, threw two interceptions, and they only scored a field goal. So you have to wonder, if they would have scored a touchdown there, I mean, even if they would have got a field goal, because they ended up coming away with no points. If right. they would have got a touchdown there, you have to – I mean, it would have been a tall task for the Bengals. So you have to think, after they got that stop, the Bengals went in the locker room. They were like, hey, we got a shot. You know, we're we're right here in this. And it's just – it's crazy to watch Joe Burrow because, I mean, I don't know. He he is cool looking. He, he rolls up with the fur coat and the sunglasses <laughs> and, you know, the big gold chain and stuff like that. But sometimes, though, you look at him and, he, you know, you see the comparisons. He looks like Macaulay Culkin. Right. And it's like, how the hell is this guy the best quarterback in the league possibly? You know, the, the best quarterback in the league should look like, you know, Russell Wilson or, you know, like some, like, big, fit, athletic-looking dude or something like that. And you look at Burrow, he kind of looks like a little bit of a gumpy dude. But, hey, man, it's 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 like my what I say about Cooper Cup. He gives me – yeah, I wish I would have, like – saw Cooper Cup 15 years ago because I'd been like, that could have been me. So there's probably kids like Jared out there right now watching Joe Burrow, and they're like, see, I can do this. I can be like Joe Burrow. I can I can go turn around a franchise. So it's cool to see. No, I, I mean, here's the people that I think it directly applies to. I mean, how do you think the transfer portal is a bad thing when – it's funny to think he was buried on the Ohio State depth chart. If he had – if the transfer portal, like how Ted probably wants the world to, to operate, if that was not a thing, Joe Burrow is selling cars right now. <laughs> how do you not look at that and say, man, this is just a great thing for college football for these kids that, hey, coaches sometimes are idiots. And believe it or not, they'll have somebody like Joe Burrow just sitting on the bench forever. I mean, who knows how many Joe Burrows there have been. Uh, that have been sitting behind. But to go back to the game, uh, Patrick Mahomes, we love him, but how do you not just completely lambast this guy for what we just saw? He played horrendous. Was like trying. It was like it was a, a video game to him. I mean, and, and we see that work a lot of times, but starting with that Tyreek Hill throw, I mean, that's the one throw you can't make. I understand it's Tyreek, and, you know, probably half the time he's going to make two guys miss and get in the end zone anyway. But just take a shot on a fade in the end zone or something. And then that way, worst-case scenario, you still get a field goal. That was the one thing you couldn't do. And it wouldn't surprise me if something like that really rattled him going into the second half where he was really kind of kicking himself because the whole second half is just a totally different player. And, uh, yeah, we've given Joe Burrow a lot of credit. But the Cincinnati Bengals defense, I don't know where they came from, but they're legit too. (laughs) I mean, they don't get enough credit. So it was just a hell of a game, but – I think the Kansas City Chiefs, and especially we've seen it before, uh, you know, whether it's the bad boys or whatever dynasty we've had in the past where once your window is closed, it's closed. And I think they're very much near the end of this sort of Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek, Patrick Mahomes uh, title window. I really think it's closing. Hmm. Especially not... especially when you think about the other – I'm not – yeah, I think, Ted, you were about to say you're not there yet. I'm, no, I'm not I'm, there I'm yet. I'm not there yet. 
but especially you could make that argument when you think about all the other AFC quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, yep. Justin Herbert, Mac, Mac Jones, you know, with the Patriots. And, you know, there, there's, you know, some other guys that are coming up too. So the AFC is loaded with quarterbacks, but I'm not, I'm not like shutting the door on the Chiefs and, and Mahomes yet, but it was, you were spot on with him, his play in the second half. It was so erratic. It was almost like, you know, people, people slobber all over him because of some of those backyard football plays that he makes. So it was almost like he was trying to do that, and it obviously wasn't working out. So I, I was happy to see Burrow win, though. I, I think Burrow versus Stafford is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that was fantastic. And, you know, the that last play at the first half, definitely a killer, but uh, it just carried in the second half because we had the Walker Hayes halftime show. I mean, <laughs> dude, what is going I mean, that was like – that was the talk all around my work. <laughs> I mean, that's what we do. So right. they were, you know, basically laughing at what that production was. One, you had everyone kind of crapping on Tony Romo and Nance. And a lot of that was for good reason. I mean, Romo was kind of speaking out of his butt a few different times during the game, which you almost never see that yep. from those color guys. They always know the rules. They always know the situation. And it just was weird to hear that coming from Tony Romo. Uh, for those who don't know, basically at the end of the game, he was saying how, uh, which earlier in the game, we saw the Bengals make a goal line stop uh, against the Chiefs. He was basically saying how the, the, he needs to, they need to let the Chiefs score. And to take go the ahead, lead, to go ahead, yes. And, you know, even me, an idiot, I'm sitting <laughs> on my couch saying, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> and, and and then in the overtime, you know, he was spewing rules that, uh, and uh, uh, challenge rules that weren't even true. So, Ted, I'm just going like, to give the floor to you. I know you want to go off on this because you're the one that te- teed it up. So what did you think of the broadcast? Oh, well, it was mostly Romo that was just blowing my mind. I really seriously thought he had a couple too many pops or something because, I mean, when he was trying to break down letting them score, I mean, how much does the guy make a year? I mean, he's top dog, right, as far as an analyst. How can you make that mistake? I mean, I know we're all human, but it was like the most idiotic thing. And I think, in fairness to Nance, and, and I did like Matt's, uh, I think you had a tweet about Buck and Aikman. I agree with you. Yeah. Take them hands down. But I think Nance was flabbergasted and trying to kind of help out Romo a, a little bit. Yeah, they, they seemed a little off their game. They did. I just, I'm trying trying to rationalize what he said. You know, like maybe Romo was trying to think, like, because you saw what happened with the Chiefs. Mahomes ended up running 20 yards backwards and almost fumbling the ball, which, you know, would have ruined their chances to even tie the game. So maybe Romo was thinking that, like, play it safe, kick the field goal, take it to overtime. But right, knowing how good usually the Chiefs' offense is, of course you're going to try and score a touchdown and win the game. So, you know, that that was just kind of strange. But, you know, overall, I mean, I – I don't get too worked up over the broadcast like that. I mean, you know, I don't know. It is, it is a tough job, but you know, some, sometimes it is, it is funny when, when those dudes, you know, make, make a stupid call or something like that. But Ted, you've been there. You, you've, you're not 110% every call, right? No, no, I, I, I will agree with that, but I'm also not a national broadcaster either. You know I mean? Think about right. it. Come on, Matt. You're, you're kind of giving him a little slack. A three a three point game, and he's talking about letting them score a touchdown. I mean, at the end of the game, are you serious? That's that's right. that's about as boneheaded yeah. as you could possibly be. It right. was, yeah. but it it also. I mean, you're telling me that that never crossed your mind as soon as they they got uh, what was it, like first and five uh, inside the five yard line, first and goal. You weren't. It never crossed your mind like, man, maybe they should just let them score because they're not going to stop them. Yeah. I mean, it definitely crossed my mind. Would, would I be? Would I go far enough? Did I tell everybody that I was watching the game with that? My my thought process on that? <laughs> no, like Romo did, but 
No, I, mistakes happen like that. Yeah, I'm not really. Yeah. I still think Roma's a great, great uh, caller guy. I love listening to him call games. Um, but the the one the thing I really had a problem with was the halftime show. I yes, mean, that yes. just seems like such a like. How do you not? take into account that there is going to be a huge country music performance like going on like uh, three, 30 yards from your set. I don't know. Can you guys that one, the can, more of the head scratcher. Can you explain that? Maybe Matt more than, than Jared? I mean, how, how does that happen in a national telecast like that? I mean, it, it's almost like they just didn't like fax everything out or something like that. Because usually like what would happen before games is they're doing sound checks for the halftime performance and you're also doing sound checks for, you know, wherever you're your studio is going to be on the field, you know, so you're testing everything out. You should have been taking all that into account. Like, you know, the production team should have known that there was going to be this, you know, this halftime show. Oh, Hey, it's probably going to be really loud. We probably need to figure out our microphone situation or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if someone just, if, if their audio tech just dropped the ball, you know, like just whatever, didn't, didn't figure it out and probably is unemployed right now. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I honestly like not really an answer. I think they just dropped the ball. I yeah. think they just didn't figure they didn't figure it out. And then when it came time for halftime, they were like, "This sounds terrible." <laughs> it's literally unwatchable. It it really was. And, you know, and in fairness, a little bit of fairness, I guess. Even the Fox halftime show, it was there was quite a bit of loud background noise as well. Not as loud as CBS, but there was some loud background noise. And you know, they've had these guys on the field before for for. Uh, big games. I mean, national championship right. game, they always have uh, the the crew out there. So yeah, somebody definitely made a mistake without a doubt, but it was like Jared said, it was pretty funny following social media during when it was happening. And even today. And and like you said, Jared, they were talking about it at the office, huh? Yeah. It's, I mean, stuff like that is it's, it's like dumping chum into the shark infested waters for, uh, oh, yeah. you know, when you're working it, it's like, I mean, it'd be the same thing. You just like you going right to Romo. I mean, it's, yeah. you just notice that sort of things when you're, when you're a part of it. But um, how do we feel about the Super Bowl matchup between Burrow and Stafford? I mean, it's kind of the ultimate win-win. Yeah. You love both guys. Both guys have a great story. I mean, one, if the Bengals win, just where the hell did they come from mm-hmm. and where did Burrow come from? And then if Stafford, it's, the, you know, this long career that's finally paid off. Uh, which one would you say you're rooting for most? I think you guys are both Stafford guys. I might be the lone Burrow guy. I think it, the only reason I would say Stafford is because you almost wonder, kind of like what you were talking about with the Chiefs and Mahomes, their, their window may be closing. Who knows? This might be Stafford's only chance to get to the Super Bowl. So I'd like to see him just take care of it, get your Super Bowl, move on for the rest of your career. Whereas Burrow, it feels like he's got a good 15 years to go, you know? So, you know, and as a fan, I'd like to see Stafford get your Super Bowl and then your career, like there's no argument about your career. You know, people aren't questioning anything. Just get it, move on. So that's kind of where I stand. Yeah, ditto. Ditto to what Matt just said. I would it kill me if Burrow wins though, because he is so special. No, but I'd I'd I'm pulling for Stafford. And I think the Rams right now going in early, uh, four point favorite on their home field, which should definitely be an advantage in this game. I mean, I can't believe how many 49er fans were there though, man. It's crazy. <laughs> it is. It's 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 a joke. It's it's funny when you think about it as Lions fans. You know, we're diehard. You got guys painting their faces for the Thanksgiving game every year, uh, wearing bags on their heads when we're 0-16. Still decent crowds, and these LA fans just couldn't care less. 
yeah. they have a Super Bowl contender right under their nose. Yeah, well, they got beaches to go to and all kinds of other stuff, I guess, occupying their time. But uh, I'm I'm pulling for Stafford and the Rams. Like I said, my wife and I adopted them before the season even began, and we're sticking with them all the way to the Super Bowl. A couple weeks to go, so we'll have more to talk about down the road. Anything else we want to get on the table here in reference to NFL football before we move into some college basketball, fellas? Not for me. All right, well, let's do it. We'll, we'll be right back right after this and talk a little college hoops including a a game between our Michigan Wolverines and our, I'll say our Michigan State Spartans right after that. (laughs) Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. Here we go. This segment brought to you by Crow Real Estate and Auction, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Home, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, the ALS Association, and Z92.5, the castle. Go ahead, Jared. I got got to hear your thoughts on this game at the Breslin Center. That nothing makes my blood boil quite like losing to Michigan State in basketball. I don't know something about it with the the zone crowd going crazy, the college kids, <laughs> the the fact that just how we lost. I mean, I don't know about you guys. It was just this team just has so soft. They have no heart. We're basically living and dying on Hunter Hunter Dickinson jump hook baby hooks. This team's just not very good. I don't know yeah. if you blame it on Jawan because it's a, it's a good recruiting class. You know, we had high expectations for this team. So if this was another program, I feel like we'd be blaming the coach. But I'm I'm not going that far. I'm just saying they're a young team, a lot to learn. I'm worried about the future of the program, if I'm being 100% honest. I'm worried that this is going to be a program that prioritizes recruiting over maybe, you know, the actual play on the court. Um, But I don't know. It just was an ugly game. Michigan State just owned us the entire second half. I've never seen a second half so so lopsided in my life. I mean, that's something we would have never seen under Beeline. Yeah. Maybe I'm just the anti-Juwan guy, which I don't want to be. I love Juwan. You know, Juwan inspires. Uh, (laughs) But it's just just when you're getting your butt whooped by Michigan State like he did, I'm going to turn on you. And that's exactly what I feel myself doing right now. Yeah, I think it's something that I've heard a lot of fans of Kentucky basketball, you know, down here in the SEC talk about that they had to realize when coach Calipari came in that this might be what our basketball program is now because all of a sudden, you know, coach Cal is like the king of recruiting one and dones and every few years it might click like if you have an Anthony yeah. Davis or something like that, but there's going to be a lot of those years where it doesn't because the freshmen don't come together and you don't have the right two or three upperclassmen and I think that's something that if Jawan is going to be the guy for the next 10 or 15, whoever knows how many years, which it seems like he might be, well, Michigan fans might have to get used to this. If if they're going to be recruiting a bunch of these phenom freshmen, that yeah, there might be years where it just doesn't come together because you got a bunch of freshmen. And like I said, the, the upperclassmen that you have, you know, it doesn't really work with the freshmen. And you're just basically like a decent basketball team. And that's what this team seems like. There's a ton of talent. So you can see that they could probably on any given night play with anyone, but they could also be like a first round exit in the big 10 tournament, you know, because, you know, like, like we said, as much as we love Hunter Dickinson and he's fun to watch when you're just doing that over and over pounding the rock to him, every possession, 
I mean, Michigan State was basically like, go ahead, go ahead and do that. And, you know, we're going to run on you and we're going to hit threes and they end up winning by 20 or whatever. So, yeah. 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 The biggest, biggest problem I see, it's not necessarily Juwan. It's uh, this team can't shoot and this team doesn't play lockdown defense. And if you don't do either of those things, you're going to be middle of the road, you know, now can they make a run later in the season? They got a fairly favorable schedule going down the stretch and they can make some noise, but yeah, uh, this is not uh, the Michigan team. Maybe we thought we would see. Do we think though, that they're going to become one of those programs? Uh, Well, no, let me finish the thought that they're going to be one of those programs that are really going to look to go after the, the five-star one and dunners. I'm not so sure about that. I, I think, I think, uh, Juwan will still try to get a decent mix, but this year is just one of those teams that just can't shoot the ball, and I don't know if they have uh, good enough senior leadership to go with them. I, guess, I, guess, I think that's a big part. I guess what su- I guess what sucks to me is man, just watching that. Like that's the first game this year I've sat and watched it from start to finish. And let me just say, this might be the the like it makes you want to pull your teeth out watching this team play they are so boring they can't shoot their only offense is literally just throwing it into dickinson and hoping that he can score it's and dickinson isn't even like offensive like mastermind he's a decent offensive player you know he was in a perfect role last year as like the second or third scoring option it's just the team is boring and that's what we never had under beeline right say what you will about beeline maybe they didn't win every game but those teams were high scoring fat like they could stroke it like, and they had some characters that, that you wanted to root for. And there were some characters that you had seen for three or four years uh, before they finally had their time to shine. And it's just like, I'm worried about the trajectory of the program. You know, it's just one year teams really young, but even these, like these freshmen, none of these freshmen, I'm not looking at like Caleb Houston. Is he going to save us in three years? I, I don't know about that. It's, I think Ziamate had some flashes in that game, but yeah ended up getting body bagged by Max Christie in the final few minutes when they started trash talking. I, just there's no one on this team that I circle as like a ray of light other than I guess Jawan Howard. Like maybe he can come up with some magic. They're always going to be entertaining in the fact that he is their coach. But in terms of what I saw on the court, literally it's like watching paint dry. Yeah. It's like watching Ted's 1958 team. That's what that was like. <laughs> it is. It, it does seem like that their offensive philosophy is almost like, Live and die with Dickinson and hope that someone makes a couple threes. And yeah, you're, you're going to win some games like that because you're going to have a game where you're shooting well and you're going to win. But is that like a consistent way of uh, um, philosophy of, of winning Big Ten basketball? No, because you got to play defense and all that kind of stuff. Like you were talking about, Ted, this team, they're not very good defensively. I think one thing, too, we were all excited. We all like Eli Brooks, fantastic college basketball player. Eli Brooks, great career. But you're seeing that like he needs to be on a team like last year when you have three, four, five other options. And then he's that like spot up shooter. He could be a lockdown defender and just play his role. I think when he came into this team, people were expecting him to be like Franz Wagner or something like he was all of a sudden going to like take over and start scoring 20 a game. And it's like that's that's just not his game. He's kind of had a little bit of an off season. And, you know, I think the big thing with you're, you're talking about the freshmen, like who are we looking at? Recruiting is such a crapshoot. Even though Michigan yeah. had like a top five recruiting class or whatever it ended up being, it like look at Imani Brooks. Imani Brooks was supposed to be the – or Imani Bates, sorry. Yep, yep. He was supposed to be the next Kevin Durant, and he's kind of fizzling out right now. You have no idea how this is going to go with some of these recruits. So I think sometimes if Jawan gets three or four of these prospects, they're going to make a run to the Final Four because it's all going to come together. 
And then maybe they're going to have years like this year where, I mean, the team just looks checked out. Ted, you mentioned senior leadership. They weren't necessarily seniors, but I think this team clearly is missing guys like Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, Sean Day Brown. Oh, yeah. They don't have anyone like that. Like think about Sean Day Brown last year. They don't have anyone like that on this team this year. So I think they're missing that big time. Uh, well, is is I guess that's my biggest problem with Brooks. Is Brooks like our leader? Like, have you guys ever seen like this is a James? Who is? Who's seen, the leader? <laughs> who have you ever seen Brooks talk? Like, does he actually talk? <laughs> Every time they cut to him, he has it's like he's like expressionless. And the fact that that guy's like supposed to be our leader, I, I don't know. I think that's problem number one right there. You're exactly right. Zero leadership. And that's what happened. When you have no leadership, guess what happens? You get ran out of the building in the second half in the Breslin. Not gonna, maybe, you know, they might, they'll probably play them a lot tougher at the Chrysler. But in the tournament and, you know, through the Big Ten tournament and in the big time road games during the Big Ten play, you need leadership. And this team has, it doesn't have it. Yeah, I would have expected maybe somebody like Johns to step up and, right. and be a leader on that team this year. He yep. and he's played all right, but the, sometimes you got to have the vocal leaders, you know, that are helping the coaches with the with the play on the court itself. And they're they're lacking that. This is, you know, this is uh, probably if they make the tournament, probably one and done more than likely. If they win a win a tournament game, hey, that's just a bonus and helping in the recruiting next year. But you know. Right now, Michigan State has their number. And as I tweeted in the football or tweeted or I did a text, either football and basketball now, Michigan can't beat them. What's going on? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I honestly think in, with both programs, it's it's a mindset thing. I think, I mean, we know Izzo, it, like if if you want to use the whole little brother thing, the Michigan basketball program, you could say, is is Michigan State's little brother. You know, even as good as Beeline was, as good as Juwan has been in a short time, we all know Michigan State is the the best basketball program in the state. Even if yeah. we don't want to admit it, it, makes me cringe to even say that. But you know, it, Michigan has some catching up to do as far as being like a stable program. Michigan State can have like a down year, and they're always going to be strong because of the program that Izzo has. And I think Jawan is still building that. Yeah, he had a great recruiting class, but like who are those like centerpiece players that you just like, like Gabe Brown, like Bingham, and some of these players that Michigan State has that you just can like hang your hat on, you know, night in, night out what they're going to bring. Even Dickinson's been inconsistent yeah. this year. You know, he's going to be probably all Big Ten and, you know, whatever else he's going to be. But he, actually, he may not be. But, you know, like Defense you know, he's horrible. been inconsistent. So, you know, can, can they make a run? I don't know about March Madness, even if they even make it. But what's stupid is because of the talent they have, I wouldn't be shocked if the Big Ten tournament, they get hot and actually make a run to the finals in the Big Ten tournament or something like that because they get some good match- matchups. Caleb Houston gets hot or something like that, and they make a run. But I wouldn't also be shocked if they lost to, like, Nebraska in the first round or something. It's just like – I mean, it's just like we're holding off hope for Caleb Houston to – Right. Like, it's just kind of funny when you even just – it's just like – Man, this team is—they're more dire than I thought. You know, I like I said, you know, I've been somewhat following them along this whole season. I see them beat Indiana. They're celebrating in the locker room, like, man, this team's got some spunk. You know, this could be a hell of a game on Saturday. And to just lay the egg the way they did—I mean, it's going to be a few more weeks before I tune back in. Probably the March, uh, the rematch. What is it? March first. I believe they're playing again. Yeah. Probably be the next game I tune into, unless they go on some crazy winning streak. Uh, but Michigan State—they have—they're a solid team. You talk about yeah. just a, a deep college basketball Izzo Michigan State team. It's this team. Yep. And, and uh, something about this Max Christie guy, he's going to be a thorn in our side for the rest, for the next time we play him this year. 
and next year and if he stays the year after that that year as well and especially when his body fills out i mean he looks like he's like 15 years old and yeah. he's still filling it up. So when when he hits puberty, it's going to be a big time <laughs> trouble for us. No, they're a good team. They're they're an Izzo basketball team. They've got yeah. veterans. They've got some young kids that came in, and they've got some great role players. I mean, they're they're a complete basketball team. I think for a long time, people they're, this season, you know, people were starting to say like, hey, "Is Michigan State for real? Is Michigan State for real?" I think it's pretty pretty apparent that they're for real. But we know college basketball, like some of Izzo's best teams have gotten knocked out in the second round or, you know, in the, in the sweet 16 or something. So, yeah. you know, who, who knows if they're going to make a run to the final four, but would you guys be okay if Juwan kind of keeps this mentality, I guess, of like coach Cal keep, keep recruiting these one and dones and hope it clicks, you know, if we get three or four some, years, like, it does. Like Diabate seems like a, like I can see why he was a prize recruit. I don't see like the potential. I don't see it right now, but if he, if he's bringing in studs uh, with this, you know, way of doing things, the coach Cal approaches you uh, donned it. I'm fine with it if it wins us games, but if, if all it results in is big recruiting classes that can't put the ball through the hoop, like what we saw on Saturday and they're just boring to watch. I want nothing to do with it. At least with yeah. the beeline teams, if maybe they were boring here or there, you knew who the players were and they were guys you could root for. Like this year, it's the first year in a long time where we're going into the year totally blind. And I don't like it. You know, I liked what Beeline was building here. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously we're never going to be able to recreate that, especially in today's climate. But if, I'm fine with it if he can win ball games, is, yeah. is where I'm going with it. Uh, yeah. I, and we probably won't see the Beeline type of coaching and recruiting anymore. But uh, how about the Tom Izzo style? Let's go to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be That's happy what with I mean. That. Like, you, you, there can be like a middle ground. You can, get your two or three players that are going to stick around for two or three years and still get your like prized, you know, top recruiting guys like Max Christie and some of these other guys that are going to be your leaders. So maybe that's, Juwan's got to figure that out. We got to remember he's only been a head coach anywhere. He he never had coached anywhere for this is what his third season. So, you know, with with how things went last year and, you know, the the run that they made, I think we kind of, you know, set the bar maybe a little high right. you know he, he's obviously got some stuff to learn you think about Izzo it took Izzo a little while to figure out his you know get his feet under him as a head coach or whatever so hopefully that's just what's happening with Juwan it's just kind of frustrating to see I mean Izzo he's just so established you know it's kind of like what we talked about with Joe Burrow like even when they're losing he's just cool doesn't care Izzo's not cool on the sidelines he's <laughs> flipping his lid on the sidelines but you can tell he's not worried when Michigan was up you know three four early you know whatever the lead was Izzo's just like keep doing your thing we're gonna be fine yeah it, it was like yeah they just they were just executing so much better it wasn't like you know our shots just weren't dropping it was like we couldn't get a shot it was right. it was just like it, I said it earlier it's, it was like pulling teeth man it, it was like sit put me in the dentist chair and extract a molar I, I probably would have rather been doing that than watching that uh, on Saturday yeah, I mean, it's not like we all three didn't predict Michigan State was going to win that game, but it got a lot uglier than I thought it was going to be going into it. That's for sure. You know, and we also talked last time about maybe right now we're really getting into the college basketball swing of things. And I happen to be looking at the schedule today. Boy, February is going to be fun. I mean, there's there's nonstop Big Ten matchups with Michigan and Michigan State and the rest of the Big Ten. It's going to be a fun February, I think. Yeah, it always is. And, you know, Michigan's got some makeup games. They, they have a makeup game with Purdue. Um, they've got the one March 1st with Michigan State. 
And it's going to be, it's like, they, they've got to prove it now because I think last podcast, you said, Ted, if Michigan loses this game, mm-hmm. I, I would think they're definitely, I, would, I haven't seen Joe Lenardi's, you know, uh, bracketology, but I would think they're on the outside looking in right now if, if they're even a bubble team. So they've right. got to prove it. And Juwan knows, like, I mean, yeah, his job is pretty secure, but he's got to prove himself too if he wants to get recruiting against Izzo and some of these other guys. So it's it's gonna it's like put up or shut up time for Michigan, you know, and they, they've got plenty of chances to do it. So we'll we'll see what they do. Yeah, it's gonna come down to really the last four games. They got three home games against uh, Illinois, MSU now, and Iowa, and then they wrap mm. up on the road in Columbus. So I think those last four games are gonna be huge. It will be. I think they're gonna make the tournament. I mean, we've talked about it before. You win a few games in the Big Ten, uh, where every every basically every time you win a game in the Big Ten, it's considered a big win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna make the tournament. We saw it last year. A lot of people didn't think Michigan State should get in. They still got in. Get a couple of big wins under our belt going down the stretch here in February. We'll be in. And especially then from there, we, take our we we know too that the committee wants to put Mich- Michigan right. in the tournament, even if it's the play-in game. They want to put Juwan Howard and Michigan in. So right, like you said, Jared, win a couple games, noteworthy games. It'll probably be all right. But then we'll see him get waxed against Towson or I don't know, oh, some, no. some random school or something. Well, it's going to be fun watching down the stretch. I just had on the TV in the background, Duke and uh, Notre Dame, Duke spanked them. I mean, you know, Coach K swan song. I mean, there's going to be a lot of sentiment, sentimentality, uh, him maybe taking home a national championship in his final year. And they got a good team. I, I don't yeah. know who you, I don't know who you guys think you know, is going to win the national championship or be a contender at this point. But uh, Duke's got to be right there. I know Bruce Pearl and Auburn, they're playing well. I mean, there's some pretty good teams out there. And, you know, is those Spartans, they can be right in the mix. It's just, it's, you You mentioned Bruce Pearl and Auburn. Obviously, at the SEC Network, people are loving that, Auburn being sure. number one. But, like, when you think about Auburn basketball being number one, yeah, <laughs> it's I like know. one of those programs, like, do you really think they're actually going to win a, a national title in basketball? But they're playing well, so we'll see. They were on the precipice. I mean, they should have beat uh, uh, maybe a phantom foul call on Kyle, Kyle Guy all those years ago on the Final yep. Four. I mean, maybe they would have a national championship under Bruce Pearl. So, yeah. no, I'm loving it. It, it. February is the month where we round into the shape as a, yep. as a college basketball fan base. So there, this is where teams can stake their claim. You know, they can stake their claim on my bracket uh, <laughs> for who I'm picking. So that's big news in, in the college basketball world. That's all that matters. That's all yeah. that matters. We can't wait to see it, Jared. We can't wait. All right, guys. Uh, you know, it wasn't uh, the game we wanted to see, Michigan State and Michigan, but uh, congrats to Sparty, and they're playing well right now. Three-way tie in the Big Ten as we uh, record this, and Michigan's got their hands full. But as we said, we got the whole month of whole month of February. Maybe they can make some adjustments, get something going. I will say this about Caleb Houston. I think the kid's still going to be all right. I mean, it's it's a learning curve for him this season. Right. He's had his ups and downs, but I think he's. I think when we get to next year, he is going to be the leader of the team personally. I, I sure hope so. People talked about him maybe being a one and done. I sure hope he doesn't do that. Yeah. But, I mean, if he does, you know, who who cares? Do, right. do your thing. But it does seem like that second-year leap could be really yeah. good. Let's hope. All right. So Max, Max Christie has his number as far as I'm concerned. I, that, first, that, but... that trash talk, that was probably the highlight of the game. When they started <laughs> talking trash, I was like, man, I hope they reschedule this game at Chrysler because that could get pretty chippy. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's gonna be a fun game i do like uh diabate I, I really do like him he had some flashes in the game but we'll see one thing i will throw out there 
do you guys start to worry at all um, about Juwan Howard? You guys kind of danced around it earlier. There's nothing about this that you worry about. You don't think that nothing has been a red flag. I personally, I don't just because like I said, it's his third year ever being a head coach, even figuring out the recruiting game. I feel like he's mostly been recruiting off of his name, off of the Fab Five so far. And, you know, he's going to find his ground, like what kind of guys he actually wants, what kind of players he actually wants, you know, maybe figure out his rotations and stuff like that. You know, two or three years from now, if this kind of stuff is still happening, we might wonder. But right now, no, I think he's fine. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I mean, I'm not going to jump off the the Howard bandwagon. Uh, I don't I don't look at any games this season that he made coaching mistakes like he did at the end of last year. Just it just happens, right? But I think it's just the players and and the mix they have right now with no shooters and and again, I can't say it enough, defense. I mean, they had lockdown defense a year ago. And yeah. people always forget about that, you know, that yeah, aspect of right. the game. It's huge. It really is. And, you know, they're, they're letting the Spartans get all kinds of good looks at the basket. I mean, Joey Hauser's firing it up. I mean, I, it's just one of those years, you know, it's, it's just going to be a mediocre Michigan team that gets to the playoffs. And like I said, maybe wins the game, maybe doesn't, but that's it. I'll do you guys think real, real quick before we sign off, do you think I saw some Spartans fans saying uh, Hunter Dickinson might be the most hated Michigan player in the history, like even above Mo Wagner and Nick Stauskas and some other guys. If you were on the other side, would you like like just loathe watching Hunter Dickinson play? I think I would, to be honest. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Something about every him, time man. he the... flexes, he flexes after every basket he, he makes. Loses yeah, his mind after every bucket, it's like a yeah. jump hook, and he's like screaming like he just dunked on somebody. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I'm just in a negative headspace right now when it comes yeah. to this team. So yeah. any sort of uh, bait you're gonna throw into the waters, I'm jumping onto it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could see that too. So. I don't know. Let's just hope they turn it around. (laughs) All right, guys, another fun podcast. And all you listeners out there, we really do appreciate your support. If you're in any of our businesses that help support us, definitely tell them you listen in. And follow us on social media at 3 Point Pod. Our partners, they include Crow Real Estate and Auction, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, the ALS Association of Michigan, and Z92.5 The Castle. Speaking of Z92.5 The Castle, our game of the week coming up Friday, February 4th, as the Ovidelsi Marauders travel to Chesanine High School to take on the Indians. And we're going to have a special three-point podcast broadcast, as it will be number one, Portland St. Patrick, taking on... Number two, Fowler, the defending Division IV state champions, will have that exclusively right here on our podcast platform, Three Point Podcast. Until next time, for Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying so long, everybody, and bye just for now.